Welcome to another episode of the Happy Hour. It's your boy, Mr. Overtime, along with my cousins, Mikey Slacks. And today we got a good friend of mine and a special guest, uh, my man Tucky. What's happening, baby? What's up with you, yeah. How you, you know doing? What I mean, I didn't want to hit him with the proper. I'll let you introduce you to the first name and everything. It's my guy, Tuck. Uh, Oakland native, man. Introduce yourself to the fans out there, man, and let them know uh, what you're doing here on the happy hour. First off, thank y'all for having me. I appreciate y'all sharing y'all platform with me and my brand. Uh, my name is Alfonso Tucky Blunt Jr. Uh, I'm a weed man. Shit, I guess is the best way to call it. But no, uh, I'm a father, husband. Um, just an Oakland kid that's been selling weed a long time, and now I'm doing it legally in the same zip code I was arrested for selling cannabis in. So that's what's up. Salute, salute, salute. Hey, us being the happy hour show, uh, my man, as he says, you know, he is he is uh, one of the dank kings out there in the East Bay. Uh, let's put a little emphasis on that part right now. You know what I'm saying? Being the plug out there at the happy store. Mm-hmm. Talk about the address, man, where it resides into the historic landmark over there in the town. So, Blunson Moore is the first retail store opened under the social equity program with um, within Oakland. It's a social equity program. It's a program designed to give people who call cannabis cases chances at ownership within the cannabis space. I'm the first person, first ex-felon, to open a dispensary out of that program. Um, 701 66th Avenue is the address. Yeah, first, you last. Right. And the address is symbolic to Oakland people because I used to be the Napa Auto Parts building. And it's directly across from the Oakland Alameda Coliseum, which is called the Ring Central or something now. But where the A's and, and Raiders used to play in the Warriors. Oracle Arena, baby. I'm directly across the street. So for me, being from Oakland, to be able to sell weed, in Oakland legally, again, in the same zip code that's been on my ID mm. since 1993 when I first got my ID at 13 years old. To be able to sell weed legally in that section is fucking amazing. Can I cuss? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah man. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we in Oakland. I'm from Oakland, but I'm also really like, not to say you're from Oakland, but then you're from the Bay. Like, I'm really tapped in with everybody from here to New York. Before uh, cannabis, I mean, excuse me, excuse me. Before legal cannabis, legal, legal, legal cannabis. <laughs> I know, I'm, a, I'm no longer a felon, so yes, I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. Yes, but yeah. not like to be able to do this and then be able to have the vouching from the people that I know in the space that you know I know in the space. You know, we'll talk about whatever, but yeah. people can vouch for me before I got legal. They're just saying you've been doing this, so it's about time that you actually did it. So. To be the first is amazing. And then Sean Richards is the second. I was about to say, my man that's out my here, uh, uh, another community activist out here, someone that's changed his life around, spent years uh, teaching the youth in San Francisco uh, doing sports. Uh, I know him from being a fellow coach to the SF 49ers out here. He held down the Brown Bombers for a long time. Oh. He's in the city. Uh, he does a lot of work for the city, and it's a blessing oh, to yeah. see y'all. And it, it not to be too cliche it being in the middle of black history month man i thought it'd be great to get you on here being a black business owner even, you know what i mean and not only crazy. that uh, a friend of mine that i know that's really you know leveled up in this space and in in that space you have you have touched on some really great things that we'll get to in a minute you know but uh my man's been studying and he got his tassels right but we'll get into that <laughs> in a minute. but uh let's go back to the beginning man being an oakland native you know what i'm saying and who you really are and the principles that kind of got you to be the man that you are today, because 
Uh, reading your your professional bio is it, is it's, it's it's amazing, man. You know, growing up in the eighties and in the town, you know, we talking about Mitchell, oh, yeah. we talking about pretty sure. boy, and all these. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, A lot of brothers falling victim, uh, being single mothers, single fathers, being raised by Nana, Grandpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you um, um, for, uh, were fortunate enough to have both parents in the household, yep. uh, uh, very religious, and we can mm-hmm. speak upon that uh, as well. Uh, but to keep Focus, 4.0 student, graduating from high hey. school, you know, at a, at a high level. Uh, let's speak a bit about that, man. Some of the challenges yeah. that you faced, you know what I'm saying? Being in the town now, we got to tap that, we got to tap that. Right? Bring it yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's a big thing, man. How many people do you know out there that's, that's listening or how many people that you know that can honestly say they've never been arrested? You know man, what I'm saying? Up until uh, that point, like, you know, <laughs> you know, crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So salute to you on that, brother. It uh, was just, with me growing up, I was born in 1980. Um, if you from the town, and your parents was on welfare, your mother's doctor was more than likely uh, Howard Daniel. He's still in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were more than likely born at this hospital called Vesper Memorial. It's called, uh, I wanna say Physicians Community. So if you're driving to Bayfair on 580 and you pass a hospital on the way to Bayfair, like when you get off 150th, that's the hospital where most welfare kids are born at if you're from- Oh, oh is it, uh, John, it's John George now, right? No, that's the crazy house. Oh, that's the crazy house. <laughs> I hope we ain't born there. Oh, oh shit, that's shit, that's shit. It's the reason we But no, so just growing up, born and raised in Oakland, well, born in San Leandro, but you know, that's where you had to go. It was different. Like, my parents both ended up getting in drugs when I was about seven or eight years old. And prior to that, we lived a great life. Dad worked, sold weed, moms sold weed. Even though she wanted me to talk about it, but it is what it is. And they worked. My daddy worked three, four jobs. He had three. They had three kids by the time she was seventeen and he was nineteen. So you think about that, just growing up in that section and just dealing with that. And then crack came. They split up. Um, I remember living in shelters and stuff before with my mom until she could get back on her feet. Um, just talking about this recently. Just. I went through typical, well, it may not be typical, but I went through stuff. Like, I had to, went through the custody battles. Um, I, like I said, lived in shelters. I went to a parent house and then was told I was going to a parent house, but then we ended up at the grandparent house. And I'm like, man, I want to go live with either a parent or, or, or not a parent. You know what I mean? So just going through all that, I always had the mind state of, and it was not even cognizant to me. I didn't realize I had the mindset until I got older, but I always thought about solutions rather than worry about problems. And I knew the only thing that I could control is stuff I could control. I could control my stuff in school. I knew that if I did good in school, I could have freedom to go run the fuck around, do whatever I wanted. So when I caught my, I got my first job at 13, um, Working for the city, like they don't even have these. Well, YEP is still open. We gotta talk about that. Hey, the YEP program that is still too, open. Man. So the YEP was talking about my first job. I was thirteen. At age of thirteen, I realized the value of me having my own money. When I got my first check, I went to Brown's Brothers in Alameda and bought my first pair of shoes on my own. So I was like, all right, I like to work. And I just took that mindset <laughs> all the while doing that. My daddy had already taught me about detailing. My daddy been a master detailer since before I was born. I detailed my first car when I was eight. So mind you, all the while learning this, learning, I know how to paint, I know how to cut grass. Yeah, my daddy did his drugs, but he taught us how to do shit. Jack of all trades. You understand what I'm saying? What would would you say um, attributed to you not choosing the so-called easy path and like joining a gang and selling drugs or something to Mm -hmm. make quick money? Was it because you learned all of these skills at a very young age and and those skills just came easy to you? It was that and I wanted to go to jail. P- 
period. Like oh, yeah. I, I knew that because we didn't have gangs in Oakland. We everything was ran on turf. turf. Sure. But everybody sold their weed on a turf, which was advertising that you were selling weed. So with me growing up, I, weed was never like a secret to me. Weed has been in my family since forever. Like I've known, like we've been sneaking in the rooms, yeah. smelling them while they <laughs> playing no dominoes. Like, like, this room? was never a secret. Like they didn't hide it from us. It was like they didn't smoke in the room with us, but it was never like a secret. Yeah. So I always looked That's at funny. cannabis as like a business. Like this is a way mm. to supply people with a product that they want. So for me, at a when I started selling weed in 1996, I was 16 years old. I realized that it would be easier for me to sell weed at where I work than on the streets. And once I realized that, I was like, wait a minute. I ain't got to worry about getting paid because you work where I work. I know you get paid. I don't got to worry about you snitching on me because, again, you're buying something. So I can pick my clientele. I didn't have to worry about a decoy. And if you did snitch on me, you'd be messing off of everybody else. So why would you do that? And that worked for me from 96 for until sure. I got snitched on in 2005. Right. Would you Man. say that it was easy for you to maintain your your school and your grades and everything? Or mm -hmm. were there were there like temptations or distractions to you? I had good people in my corner. Even though my parents did what they did, they both got their life back together, for moved sure. back with my mom. Pops got his stuff together, moved on with my other mom. I don't call her my stepmom, my other mom. And... No, I just kept thriving. Like I had big, I didn't have no big brothers, but one of my good friends, Terrell, um, he is the pit master for DJ's tri-tip, the barbecue spot. Oh, That's, That's my boy. Max. So DJ boy. he was like my brother and he had cousins and big homies that we all used to fuck with. Yeah. And they kept us grounded. They was Got like, you. when lunch was over, take y'all punk asses back to school. Hell yeah. You know That's what I'm saying? Like, we That's had the OGs missing. that was really yeah. like, nah, we we know that y'all see what we doing. But Holding the youngsters accountable for yeah. themselves. Yeah. Sometimes you can't, like, I had partners I couldn't avoid it. They jumped in. But for me, again, my main motivation was to not go to jail. I right. did not. Right. I, I, I respected my freedom and I don't like penis. So I just, <laughs> I, I, anything that I could don't do. Man, I just, I couldn't, so it was I like, see, I had man, to really just focus, walk around and day, that's yeah. what I was on, like, it just, I knew early on, I wanted to be in the cannabis business, but I didn't see this coming at Got all, yeah. at all. Ask me how I feel about the marijuana, I tell you that I love it like I love my mama, we don't do confusion and all the drama, we be with the crew, little Benny Hannah, California State, cheaper up north, get it to the bay, it's a buck more, travel up top, what the fuck for? They ain't even got what a nigga rock. Gelato in my bra with the cookie crumb. On my Instagram, putting hella thumbs. Fuck around, you gon' need another lung. We kind of all grew up in, in the thick of, of like the real true freedom of the, before Prop 215, and then when it hit, like, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I remember literally like a couple of blocks there. down there going to get Ace for like 20 bucks. Fire. I was there. Blue Dreams Fire. and old school champagnes and shit, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And, you know, uh, someone that was, you know, the the person buying and the consuming at that point, mm -hmm. it was it was like heaven. You know yeah. what I mean? Did you ever think at a point when when stores start opening, that was something that you want to do? Hindsight in, that's what you're doing now. So, that, was that ever an <laughs> early dream? 29, excuse me, 1999, I had been selling weed three years. Rest my granny soul, she on this arm. I'm taking her on her normal little errands. We always, I always used to just hang out with my granny, you know what I'm saying? And she smoked weed, she grew weed, never could dry it good, but she she had magic dirt. <laughs> if, like they had magic dirt back then, like you could throw anything in dirt back then and just water and it would grow. You know what I'm saying? If you know, if you were of a certain age, you know about that dirt, you know what I'm saying? So, so she, she had me take her weed ride on an errand one day. We pull up to 19th and Telegraph. Um, 
I don't know what we're pulling up to. She just said she's going to get meds. <laughs> she come out the store. She got a white bag. She, I said, what's that, Granny? She said, it's weed. I said, you bought weed out of a store? She said, yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I want one of those. And um, yeah. she said, if you ever get one, I'm going to be there every day. And I was like, yeah. man, I, that next day I went and got my cannabis card because that was when everybody was getting cannabis cards. And yeah. you go to all the shops. I immersed myself in that environment those because for days, me, baby. that was the reg days. But we, ain't, we don't use rec no more. And I'm going to tell you why. I just heard about this recently. We don't say recreational no more because that makes you think it's good for kids. Mm-hmm. Ah, this is true. not for kids unless it's medicinal. So medicinal. if we say recreational, they, that, 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 that's a play on the government and for us to use that to yeah. tarnish kids. So that just right. came up literally like in a Zoom yeah. I was on yesterday. Damn. So, but doing <laughs> that, as soon as she told me that that day and I immersed myself in it, I started working at cannabis clubs all up and down Hayward Frisco. I started growing weed two years later because I seen that there was money in me growing weed and selling to the stores. And then I became also something called the Cookie Man. I've been the Cookie Man since 2000. Two. I started buying weed pastries Dude, from goes. cannabis clubs and then selling them to my friends. And then while doing that, I was promoting my music under hey, the Cookie Man hey, and then bouncing go. around to all the clubs like fucking with my emotion, fucking with Rick Lee, fucking with uh, Lloyd Personal Touch nice. and just all over the Bay, all in Oakland, fucking with Chris Rochelle, just all the party people <clears throat> with under the cookies. And I was just using all that to push weed man, on the work. under. I be trying to tell people what's so, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was real life, real life. Hell the way yeah. I network now, the way I done moved around and like, the same way I'm moving around now, you know, like I didn't, like, it ain't too many people that's doing the kind of interviews I'm doing that ain't really, I'm really a nobody per se. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, I'm, depending yeah. on who you, you ask, you know, yeah. but yeah. you know what I'm For saying? Sure. Like I'm getting it because I know how to network, I know how to move around and I'm really a good dude and it's not me saying that, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So it's just, yes. I'm just taking it all in, you know what I mean? It is kind of, it's a lot, but. And you know how to wiggle. Man, I'm trying. You've been wiggling. I'm trying. Yeah, but man, that's a town. Like, if you're from the Bay, you know about hustle. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know what y'all parents told y'all, but I know my daddy told me, as a black man, as a man in general, you're going to have to hustle. I don't necessarily mean on triple beam, his words, and he still has his triple beam. You hear me? You know what I'm saying? But he was like, you just got to learn how to do something. You got to know how to do something. Like, while I'm doing all this cookie man shit and all this selling weed and all this party promoter, I'm detailing cars for all my coworkers. So I'm eating three, four different ways at work. Yeah. <laughs> come on, man. Come on, that's the cheer. Come on, man. I ain't got it. Come on, man. No, the fuck is just pushing these apps and getting fed in a different way. There's no jail involved with that. Niggas went from skipping rocks for fun to having to really do that to hustle. I mean, you had to. like some. You said some shit took me back to thinking what I had to do, you know what I'm saying, to wiggle to get that $40 for that eighth back in high school, bro. You know what I'm saying? Dude. You know what I mean? How that shit stretched. You can smoke a $40 eighth for at least... Damn near four days out the week at school. I remember when A would get you seven Swishers every time. <laughs> man. Nigga, I come from that You didn't have to roll it out that Swishers to play five. Man. And a few homies hitting it. Yeah. Man, look. Coming so up real. in that era, your cookie man, mm-hmm. you kind of gravitated towards getting more in depth for your dream mm-hmm. and hitting Oaksterdam. Mm-hmm. Uh, speak on uh, on what made you transition to actually go to there. Cause I mean, that shit, when, in, when you took it, it was it was fairly new back then, right? I was in the second or third class Oaksterdam ever had in Oakland. Yeah, see? So it what it was for me, again, I said, I, in 1999, I immersed myself in it. So 
from 99 until 2008 when I went to Amsterdam, I tried to open a store twice. But I was told just by different people in the industry that black people would never own stores. I never really asked why, but that's just what that was just the running thing. Y'all ain't gonna be able to own in this space. So you it's know, cold when they hit us with the y'all. You know, I took that for what it was, kept grinding, <laughs> but I got tired. So when I heard about Amsterdam, it was kind of like a rejuvenation thing for me. It was like, wait a minute, I can pay. At this time, it was $300. That was a zip of weed. I can pay you a zip of weed what? to come learn about legal stuff in cannabis, how to move around with attorneys, uh, how to grow weed better. I'm like, by then, I'm already, the weed I'm growing, it's 08. The weed I'm growing that I started growing in 01, I've already got in stores. I'm already set, putting weed from my gardens, me and my cousin's gardens, in stores already at this point. But I knew if I wanted to open a store, I would this. I thought in my mind this would be something I would need to go do. This is a weed school. Yeah, yeah. But I got laughed at. Like I literally laughed at. I, I ain't gonna lie. I thought that shit was fake. I wanted to do it too, but I thought it was like on that DeVry shit where they take your money. <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? Now know how to fix a VCR. <laughs> you know you should hear yeah, some yeah, of the stuff I don't heard, mean nothing, bro. Like I got laughed at for going. Um, my wife, I love her to death. She wasn't mad that I was going, but we had literally just had Kamaya. Kamaya was born in January of 08. I started school March of 08. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I started school in September of 07 and was still going when my daughter was born. Okay. My daughter was a preemie. So I'm having to go back and forth oh, to the wow. hospital, then trying to go to school. Damn, but bro. old lady understood it for, I mean, I yelled at a little bit, but she understood for what it was. Hey, and look at where we are right now. For a reason, boy, I'm telling you. Know you know what I'm saying? When, when they told you mm -hmm. that a black person mm -hmm. would never own a mm -hmm. cat, like, do you think that that came, that that statement was made out of a pure sense of racism? Or do you think it came from like, this is just the way it is and they didn't see it ever changing? I think that's what it was. Cause the people I'm talking about, I know for a fact weren't racist. These was my, gotcha. I hate, I always say the wrong term. <laughs> term. My Indian friends, gotcha. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. Did they, and so and I knew that they weren't, you know, and then my white man, <laughs> The white, my white friend who worked at the store, the cannabis club where I met the cookie lady at, the lady I buy my cookies from, yes. he was, I knew they weren't racist. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, so I knew where sure. they was coming from. They was like, man, the hires that, the, the, up, the higher ups just won't let it happen. Who the fuck are the higher ups? How did it make you feel when you finally did become? <laughs> so I got to send y'all the link. So Jan, uh, July 31st, 2018, when we won, because it was a lottery. So that's when wow. OT say that this is like some destiny shit. The way that's I won right. my license, they had 66 applications for the equity license. 36 of those applications made it to a bingo ball lottery where wow. each person or brand picked the bingo ball, threw it in a chamber. They rolled the shit around. If they picked your ball, you lost. If you were one of the four remaining balls after they went through picking all the balls, you won a license. Man, Nick. So, bro, when he when I first met wow. him and he told me this story, like so, I can, it was I can feel like it was that's destiny. some real shit, bro. So when we won, the first thing I said, I don't know who who y'all pray to, whoever you call yes, him, that's yes, your business. Yes. I call him Yahweh. So when I won, I stood up, I said, praise Yahweh, I got my store. We hadn't had a location. We didn't have all we had was knowing we had the license. The green light. But I yeah. knew right then in that moment. From when I talked to my granny, not too far from where I got my license, and I mean, and you know, where I got my license, where I talked to her in '99 and told her I wanted one, I knew I That's was amazing. on my way to having That's one. Amazing. That feeling felt fucking amazing, I and I still it. deal with it now, <laughs> even just talking about it, because it's like, yeah. damn, that really just happened. Everything you've ever done, 
put you here. That's yeah. all your network and all your For moving real. around, all the good relationships you built, not being just uh, everything has led to this moment and you didn't even know. You was just. Man. I try to tell people yeah. you can go so too, far in life off of just being nice. Like, Dude, see, I wear it on my wrist. I'm <laughs> be a good person. Just be a good person. Hey, man, honestly, that's all it takes. I, I met Techie almost four and a half, five years ago, and it was just off being nice, being on the come up. He, he, he knew he needed people in the streets promoting his business. He was going to major radios. He was going to all the mom and pops. He circled to us. We, it was a good fit and he and he took that initiative to really fuck with, with, with me and my mm -hmm. group. And mm -hmm. it touched me because we, we'll weigh in on his partnership, how he ended up getting everything and it all, his true destiny came through and, and the Blunts and More was truly conformed and they it really started full booming. Circle. Yeah. But uh, you know, this dude was man. always just genuinely nice. Do the whole, I, I met this fool the very first day I actually walked up on him, I fucking met Montel. I told you guys the story. <laughs> oh, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I roll is. up and he's fucking with Montel Williams, Montel right? Williams, that, like, is. Montel, Damn, man. you just brought that back. Like, come that on, is like, when I first how, met you, how, how, how is that? Get out of my way. We were talking, we were doing the professional thing. <laughs> he sent me the bio, that. we was talking, we finally yeah, met. Even, and it he was said, come through. And it wasn't like he told me to come through, he was there. That they was doing their business and we popped I didn't up. Even tell them. And it was yeah. just, it was crazy. We we got schooled with fucking Montel Scooters on CBD and his, his product and everything. And I was like ignorant. I didn't even really know it. Yeah. CBN and yeah, CBD yeah. and all those other uh, things that you get from from cannabis. You know what I mean? I was completely blind. I didn't really know that the, the shit then, but he that. gamed us up. That was my first initial And yeah. I just seen him since, network so. from every Damn person man. he deals with. He's just so humble, so caring yeah. and so giving. And I think that's, that's one of the things that really stand up about him. That's what makes people want to deal with certain people. Yeah, you know? yeah. If you're an asshole, then they're going to be like, man, yeah, fuck it's yeah. the law of attraction. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you got to have that at a certain point, you know? You can't be called the happy store and not be happy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, but they, they will fuck you up. It's uh, some unhappy times in cannabis, but yeah, you, you know, that's... It yeah, yeah it's, it's just... The people that are making the laws for the space don't know shit about don't the space. Know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're, sure. we're opening doors now. Like I've been talks with uh, people in New York. I've been talks with uh, people in New Jersey. So other places that are coming online are reaching out to people in the space to talk to them about how shit should be crafted because the way they did a lot of the stuff in Cali was based on two things that you shouldn't base legalization on. They based on making hella money, which sounds cute, but just wait. Oh, yeah. And they based it on killing the illicit market. Now, Get, get over the illicit market. It's never going to go anywhere. People are always going to want to buy weed from the streets. There's always mm -hmm. going to be people that want to get over that. It is what it is. And then wanting to make extra amount of money, if you're going to make that, you got to have an asterisk by it. You cannot make a whole bunch of money by overtaxing us. No. A lot of people don't get that. Yeah. And until they understand that less is more and actually sit down and talk to us Say and let them again. understand mm -hmm. that if you lower the tax, people are going to spend more money, which then gets you more yes. money, but being that <laughs> so simple. what they see on paper is cannabis for the last four years has made more money in California than the automobile industry. And of these course. are facts. It's a, it's up the deficit. That's why the surplus is always so big. They got extra dough. And granted, that's we've great. Been keeping it up. And they, they see that. So for them, they're like, why the fuck would we lower? We're getting all this money. You would lower because, again, less is more. <laughs> I can give you more if you lower more it. So sales, yeah. it just, they don't, they don't, they got it. It's like a plumber telling somebody how to DJ. <laughs> or a commentator trying to tell a football player or a basketball player about how their performance was for the night. So it's just, you know, it's just, you know, get, get in the rooms and we are getting in them. But just like with everything else, and then plus two, you got to get everybody out. Why are we still in jail? 
Your whole ass making money yeah. off Man. people selling weed, and we have people in jail right. for selling weed. Twenty some years for some trees, though. I'm How do you justify that tax, Dude, though? This is so, a, so aggressive. Um, you can't. They do. It's actually illegal what they're doing with the taxes and with the insurance. Those are two things that are really like I, I, I feel illegal. Mm. It should be like. Like we need like some uh seven on your side coverage yeah, or like dude. some. Hey, they don't want to call people New York because like we know for real <laughs> like the, what's really going it's on. It's ridiculous, bro. Yeah. Don't if, ever try to buy no weed off the weed maps, bro. If, if I go three more years like this, I will have to sell my license. There'd be no point for me to stay in Oakland. Like why would I want to stay somewhere and I'm not making a dime? I haven't yeah. made money in three years. You get you get on Damn. good panels. Uh, you be on a lot of panels, and you get some big hitters on there, and you guys talk about the laws daily, and you school a lot of people that don't know. Uh, you get a lot of youngsters wanting to be growers and mm -hmm. don't know, and you you really school them, you know, on on, on the art form of, of the craft that that's not where the money's at. No. And you try to tell people about, you know, some of your successes and the failures in the game, you know, going anywhere. You're year four now, year five yeah, now. Yeah, we in year four. Yeah. In year four. 18 is 22, so yeah, we in year four. I just, I don't want everybody to think the shit is fucking not Glitz pretty. and glamour, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Know. Like everybody thinks, and this is this is Man, no, it's the gazillionaire. This I is no uh, no hate, no shade, or nothing, because that's that's fam. But everybody thinks everything is cookies. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Everybody thinks there's just a bunch of money flowing around and not knowing shit. Cookies got hella shit going on. They still trying to make sure they make the moves right in order because they see what's going on. It's not like. So every if you, I take a survey right now, we just opened up. We had a phone line here, and we took a survey. Just blind surveys ask people what they want to do if they get in the cannabis space. First two things they're gonna say is grow and sell. Those two things are the two most expensive things to right. do, and the two that take the longest time to make money in California. Long game, right? Now, if it was anywhere else, if I took this same motto to Oklahoma or somewhere else that's upstart, I'd be a millionaire in a year, six months maybe. But in California, with the overtaxation on plant touching, what's plant touching? Growing and selling. With that tax like that, you can't make any money. But don't don't trip you guys. Everything that a business needs, cannabis needs. They're called ancillary jobs. You can do that and make money now. If you want to open a dispensary, have five million to burn that you're not going to get back, and then be ready to not make money for three to five years. If you can do that. Go ahead, set you up a grow operation, set you up a dispensary. But why would you do that, do that if you can do something else now? Do money. packaging. You, I mean, there's so, com, so podcasting. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. like, there's so much you can do for the cannabis space without touching the plant. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to tell people so they're not just getting in here blind. I want to educate them as best as I can. Yeah.